You're listening to Travel Bubble with me, Matty Dias. The world's locked down and travelling isn't really an option. So I thought, why not do the next best thing and talk about it? From living all over the world to working as a tour guide, I've seen some amazing places and met some great people. Each week, I'll speak to globetrotters and industry professionals about their travel bubble choices to provide you with post-lockdown inspiration and top travel tips. Hello and welcome to episode 27 of Travel Bubble with me, Matty Dias, your illustrious host. Wherever you're around the world, whether you're a long-time listener or a first-time Travel Bubble tuner in a big happy... Happy birthday? No, not happy birthday. A big happy, happy day to you and thank you for listening. I'm recording this intro a week in advance. Uh due to the wonders of technology. I'm actually out on the road at the minute as we speak. Not right now, but as you listen. I'm out on the road. I'm I'm, um, doing Hadrian's Wall, a six-night guided hike of Hadrian's Wall. So I'll be somewhere along Hadrian's Wall right now. And because I don't know how the signal's going to be or how the Wi-Fi's going to be, I've recorded the intro with my microphone back in my inverted commas studio, just so I can get it out and ready. So it's quite weird talking to you from the past in the future. So hopefully we're all still around and nothing nothing major's happened. But if you have, we have this as a, as a bit of a time capsule. I usually say a big thank you to all those people who, um, who have commented and got in touch about episode 26. And I'm going to say that anyway, even though no one's contacted me yet because episode 26 hasn't been released yet, I envision a lot of you are going to really enjoy that episode. So thank you in advance for getting in touch with me about that and your kind words. I really enjoyed that episode with Ian Collins. If you haven't listened to it, go listen to it. What are you doing? It's called Flowers to Kim Jong-un because the bloke sent flowers to Kim Jong-un. And I could have called it, I took my muggers to the strippers. I took my mugger to the strippers. That could have been the second title. That's how good that episode is. So go back and listen to that. And if you are new to Travel Bubble... You can go back and listen to all the other episodes, pick a title that you like, or pick a face that you like, and go back and listen to it. You never know, you might like it. And it's evergreen, so it won't go out of date, and you'll always find some in, some travel inspiration, and you'll always find a funny story or a top travel tip, so go back and listen to all the previous episodes. But now it's time for episode 27, Apocalypse Note, with my good friend Jason Clitheroe, Jason Balkan Clitheroe. Now, when I first started this Travel Bubble podcast, I, I was going through my head, people that I wanted on the podcast, and Jay, or Jason, was one of those people that I wanted on. He's an old friend of mine, he went, we went to the same school, Cowley in St Helens, and he's had, a, he's had an interesting like life when it comes to travelling, well, and we'll go into detail uh, throughout the episode, but basically he, he, he moved to Cambodia, he's lived in Vietnam, he bought bought into a hostel on an island in Cambodia and then by hook or by crook he's made it and he ended up being uh, the business editor of the Khmer Times, the uh, like the Cambodian national newspaper and now he's living in Canada. So he's he's been there, done that, he's done it all and he's got some funny stories to tell and I'm really proud of the episode title of this one, Apocalypse Note, and I thought it was really fitting because 
Jay went into Cambodia, a bit like the film Apocalypse Now, and at times, because one of the things about travelling is we always share the good stories and we always share the good photos, but it's rare that you actually sit down and talk about, like, oh, actually, there is some negative side to it. Um, we, we go into that with Jay today, with Jason today. And, like, sometimes he had didn't have money for food, sometimes he was down and out, and... We get we get into that, and we also tell some very funny stories, and I really enjoyed this episode. It's great. Uh, Jason's now uh, living in Canada, and I'll be back at the end for a bit of an update on Jason's life because this was filmed a few months back when he just moved to Canada and he was locked down in Canada. Things have changed a bit since then. He's still in Canada, but I'll give you I'll give you an update at the end. But like I say, I really enjoyed this. It's good speaking to a friend because you just jump straight into it and you, you're right in there and you have a laugh and a joke. But it's good because I, I was able to ask some questions that I didn't know the answers to and we get right deep down into it. And it's a really fun episode. Travel Bubble is free. But all I'll ask, all I'll ask of you is to like us on Facebook, like us on Instagram, give us a share to your friends. If, you, if, you, if you've got one of those friends who loves travelling, Send them this podcast, and they might and they might like it. The more people who get to know about travel, travel bubble, the better. So you can subscribe to us on Apple, Spotify, Google, Alexa, wherever you get your podcasts. Click subscribe, and if you give us a rating of five stars, then that really does help because it helps with the algorithms, and more people find Travel Bubble, and so on and so forth. It helps us grow and go up the charts, and it snowballs from there, really. And on a personal note, if you ever need a hiking guide in Cornwall or the rest of the UK, then you know where to, you know who to go to. Matty Dias, me. I'll be back at the end with some Travel Bubble Film Club, Travel Bubble Chat, and also a bit more of information about Jason and what he's up to now. For now, I'll jump right into the episode, episode 27, Apocalypse Notes, with the wonderful Jason Borkin Clitheroe. Jay, welcome to Travel Bubble. Hello, hello, hello. <laughs> Thank you for having me. Thanks for coming on. Where in the world are you right now? I'm currently in Winnipeg, Manitoba, which is in Canada. Don't ask me which part of Canada, because my geography is shite. <laughs> well, yeah, I actually looked it up the other day. When you told me where you was, I was like, I'm going to have a look at that. And I, <laughs> my, my Canadian geography was way off. All the cities that I know are just basically yeah. next to New York. Everything else is just massive. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And the same people have asked me, they're like, where, where is it in Canada you're going to? I'm like, Winnipeg. They're like, oh, where's that? Where's the closest city? I'm like, that is the city. It's the capital of the province. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, but you haven't always been there. I mean, I don't, I don't mean that generally, but you've only just got there, haven't you? Yeah, yeah. I've just arrived. Um, I arrived on Thursday. I'm coming up to halfway up to the end of my quarantine. Um, I've two weeks forced quarantine. But yeah, I've just arrived just come from Southeast Asia. So, um, yeah, so ready to uh, get out. maybe we get into that. Like, why, why are you a guest on Travel Bubble? That feeds into that kind of thing. Okay, so for the last coming up to four years, I've been away from England. Um, when I was back in England, I had a couple of businesses. Um, party and lifestyle every weekend. <laughs> and then I just decided I wanted to go away for a month after I'd sold a business. 
So I um I booked the usual trip that all everybody does. I booked Thailand. <laughs> um after I went head over, headed over to Thailand, I was there for a month or so. That then led into Cambodia, that led into Vietnam, then back to Cambodia, then back to Vietnam, and now to Canada. <laughs> yeah, so you did, you never really came home from that trip. Was it like it was all just, obviously just, you, yeah. Just, just just visits. So how did you I get been home to visit? Yeah, how did you get stuck there then for so long? I am. Um, I guess I just didn't want to go back to England. I um I'd come away. It's going deep, but I'd come away. I had some drug problems. I had addiction. I um my head wasn't in a good space. So for the first part of it, it was just straight away. I just don't want to go back to that. Um, I want to keep myself away from that type of stuff. Um, and then it led on to just thinking, oh, I love it out here, building a lot of relationships with expats I've met there as well as locals, starting to learn the language, etc. And then just, just enjoying it and thinking, why would I want to go back to where I've, where I've been living for the last 27 years and it hasn't got me anywhere? Yeah. So I just stayed. But your business was all right, though, wasn't it? Like you had... You had uh, Shake and Bake, which was like pizzas and milkshakes, and you had like food food run for a while, which was delivering like the fast food around St Helens. What made you just go right? I'm going to sell that. I'm I'm going to go on because you said it was for a month, but it turned into four years, five years. Yeah. Um, well, food run. I still had going for first couple of years that I've been out here. I sold it um, a couple of years ago, but Shake and Bake, it was it was it was a good idea. There's lots of mistakes that we'd made internally with pricing things and oversizing things and lots of things that I've learned now that for the future hopefully I can use but the business model just wasn't working so we wasn't making that much money it may have looked like it, it was a very popular place but we weren't making a lot of money so okay I, I, I sold that and then because I had some money I got off yeah and like I know you've been you've done a few things while you've been away like I've been watching you on Facebook from afar I remember you've been in touch with me about uh, teaching English but you've also you had a hostel and then most recently you've been you've been working as a journalist for like Cambodia's biggest newspaper. Can you can you tell us that journey from all those professions? Yeah, okay. So kind of when I first got to Thailand, the first couple of weeks, I just had it in my head then and I didn't want to go back. Um, so I started to hear about teaching abroad, teaching teaching in Southeast Asia. So I got in touch with a few people, one of them being your lovely self. And asked how you do it, because you've done it before and other people have done it. Um, just to get some information, just to put the feelers out, what would be the possibility of me being able to stay? Like, how quick can I do it? And blah, 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 blah. Anyway, um, I, um, I, so I had it in my head from the beginning to teach. Anyway, we carried on our holiday in Thailand. I think I went to a couple of these Tefl, these shop things, with like Tefl on the window and stuff like that. They, yeah. Um, offering courses and stuff like that, and um, I just never ever I never went through with it to start because we got we saw how cheap the flights were from Thailand to Cambodia. I think it was like thirty five pound. I was like, Jesus Christ, that was cheaper than a taxi back from Liverpool to Saint. <laughs> I was like, I was like, I'm going to go to Siem Reap. I'm going to go and see what Cambodia is like, and then I can tick that off the list. I've been to another country, yeah. so I look really cool when I go home to England. <laughs> <laughs> and then um, we got to Siem Reap. CMR was amazing. There was lots of pool parties and post It was just wild. It was lots of fun. Um, and we met a, I met a really, really lovely couple um, from 
One of them's from Manchester and the one I can't remember, Yorkshire or something. And um, they were saying that the islands were beautiful down south in Cambodia. So I um, I thought, fuck it, I've only got a few days left till I have to fly back to Bangkok and then fly home. I'll go down there and if I see one of the most beautiful beaches in the world, even if it's raining, perfect. Yeah. So I got down there and the weather was fantastic. It was brilliant. Um, so I stayed. I got <laughs> landed on a tropical island and I just didn't leave. I, um, there was lots of... Um, signs outside of hostels and bars saying Western is wanted. Um, free food, drink, accommodation, cash. So I just found one of those hostel jobs. I was getting free bed, free food, as much alcohol as I wanted. And then if you rolled joints at the bar through the, through the day, you'd get paid 50 cents for every joint you rolled. So you could just sit there all day rolling joints and making money as well while you sat behind <laughs> on, on the beach. Yeah. <laughs> so that was my first job out, out there. And then I did that for a while and I was still getting some money each month from Food Run, the food delivery business, because I just rented that out to somebody. Okay. So between that and being on the island and having that bit of work and free food and drink, that was getting me by. Anyway, I started getting a little bit fed up of it. I was drunk constantly every day, every night. My body was aching. Um, and I'd met another girl who's on the island and she said she was going to Vietnam to teach English. So I'd had it in my head that I wanted to teach English. Yeah. And... Um, Obviously, I found out about that, and then they were saying, oh, it's like $20, $25 an hour. I was thinking, Jesus Christ, that's a lot of money. So I went to Vietnam, did some teaching, and then I was going to leave Vietnam. I was going to go to the Philippines, but I didn't know because Sean McGuinness didn't meet me there, one of our friends, you know. Um, so I went back to Cambodia, and then I got offered, my friends were opening a hostel, um, their own hostel on the island. So I just spent nine or 10 months in Hanoi in the freezing cold. And then I'd just been offered to buy into a backpacker hostel on the beach. So I was like, fantastic. Yes. So I sold food run, sold food run, got some money together, sent my money over to my friends who were opening up the hostel. I just bought into it without even looking at the place. <laughs> um, and then, yeah, I went home for my brother's wedding, flew, sent the money over after I'd sold food run, come back. We got to the hostel. Anyway, we did the best we could with it. We um, we we put tried to put as much money as we could into it, and we ran quite a lot of secret jungle parties where we'd pick people up on the beach and bring them around on a boat, and we'd have a party in the jungle at our place. But we never actually opened fully to like people booking on Booking.com and stuff like oh, that. Okay. Anyway, I, I sold my show partly because of that, and because I wanted to do something else. I wanted to buy into something else, so I'll do something else in the city. So I was getting a bit fed up with the island. Anyway, I saw my show, moved up to the city, and then I needed a job. So I started teaching again. But this time it was more, in Vietnam, it was um, it was just teaching English mainly. Whereas when I was teaching in Cambodia at the school, it was an international school. So it was yeah. like math, science, social studies, and English. It was a full curriculum. So I did that for two years, finished that. And then, yeah, for the last seven or eight months, I've been writing for the Khmer Times, the national newspaper, for the business section. Yeah, and so how is that because you're like, like business-minded, like entrepreneurial, or how did you fall into the journalism side of it? Oh, so literally, um, I um, I was planning on leaving and coming to Canada, but then things started happening with COVID and whatnot, so I put it on the backdrop. And I was in a bar one night, and I met this Mancunian called Tom. We're friends now. But um, at first, I thought he was an absolute dickhead. <laughs> Honestly. <laughs> I, I thought he was an, He just wanted to argue over anything. You know what I mean? I just thought, what, what a whopper. 
<clears throat> and um, anyway, I just turned around to him because I thought he was like the backpacker that was stuck because of COVID. And I just went, what the fuck are you even doing here anyway, lad? And he went, well, I write for the um, national newspaper. I went, fuck off. No, you don't. <laughs> uh, he went, I do. And he started showing me one of his pieces. Um, I was like, oh, bloody hell. Fair enough. I was like, how did you get into that? <laughs> I wanted to be his friend. Anyway, he said that they, they were looking for people. Um, and so email, certainly email address he gave me, and then expect that they're going to ask me to write a short piece on something. Um, and they're going to ask me questions and he helped me through it. And I got the job. And I've yeah. literally just been thrown in the deep end. Um, when you asked about the business side of it, I did think, obviously, because I've had businesses before, that it would be good to write about it and read about it and learn more about it. But God, some of it was just out above my head. Like, yeah. Yeah. Economics. Crazy. <laughs> but like, it shows that you can make a life. You can go on. Say these people are worried about like, oh, I don't know what to do. I don't know what I'm going to end up doing. Like you've been like open to opportunities. You've took, you've rolled the dice. You've, you've done different things. But there's there's plenty of opportunity out there if you like if you're open to it. Yeah, yeah, as long as you're open to it and you're consistent, um, consistent. You just, you just. I guess what it is is when you don't want to go home, you will find most you'll do any job. Yeah, like. It's, it's, I worked in bars back home and stuff like that, but I don't know. It, it is such a varied set of jobs as well. It's like working in a bar, having a hostel, being a teacher and being a journalist. They're all completely different fields <laughs> and I'm not specialised in any of them. <laughs> yeah, but you've done it. So I yeah. right now you've left Cambodia and now you're in Canada. What, what, what's happened there? Okay, so I don't know. Um, I guess... I'm 31 now, so I'm not old, but I'm sort of certainly not still young. And I just want to set some roots. So Cambodia is not really the place to to do that. Like, um, yeah, there's more opportunity here. Yeah. Plus, I still feel still on my travels because this is a completely new country that I've never been to properly. I've never explored. But you have got a Canadian passport, though, yeah? Yes. Yes. So I was born here. Well, my mum and dad had me here because they both moved over to Canada when they were younger. And then they had me and literally like three months after they had me, my, they broke up and my mum went back to England with me. So I literally got my passport by three months. Okay. <laughs> but at least you're using it now. Lucky little bastard. <laughs> <laughs> but we've, we've, um, like we've, we've talked a bit there, but ultimately like you had that, um, going back to like travel, you had that like thirst or like that inkling to get out of St. Helens and go and see the world. Like, and you've been away for like four or five years and you've, you've got no intention of going back to St. Helens. You've got that thirst for like travel and, and seeing the world. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's, I have, but also, as I said, I do want to put some roots down. So that's why I've kind of like chose this place now instead of carried on traveling. I've, kind of chose this country now and I'll still travel but it'll probably be more I'll travel around this country instead of going over to Southeast Asia and Africa and yeah. India okay. and... but what I'm saying is you are a, you are a pretty good guest for Travel Bubble yeah yeah we'll see how it goes <laughs> yeah yeah um, no I think it's um, 
like I'm glad to have you on. Like we went a bit like deep there, but I think it's it's good. It just shows that like, and I don't know what it shows, but it sh- like you've got away and you've escaped St. Helens, and that's kind of what I've done. But I still love St. Helens, and but I'm like oh, yeah, I mean, same. I, I'm I'm still love in- it, and I love all the people there, but. Mm. But like I'm back in England now, but I'm living in Cornwall. Like, but I know I could always go mm. back to Zealand tomorrow, and okay. and just live back into like an enjoyable life. What's Cornwall like? Very nice, actually. Yeah, like it's, it's just beautiful. Like, yeah, it's a good place to be if you're going to be in England. Be in Cornwall. <laughs> it's being the nice parts. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> something like that. Um. So, what were your like holidays like growing up? Before, like, the, your big trip to Asia, what was, like, you, when you were younger, what, where were you going? What were you doing? Um, well, I think, I think, like, a lot of families. I think, I think a lot of families. Um, it would just be once, once a year. <clears throat> We'd usually go to somewhere in Spain, Ferringarola, Salou, <laughs> different parts of Spain, mum and, and dad, all-inclusive, next to the pool, you run around, you can just get free pop all day, ice creams, and they were the type of, the type of holidays. Sounds so good, it, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd love to go through it now, actually. Um, that's, not even on my, that's not even in my free. Um, what's it called? Um, yeah, and then growing up, my mum and dad saved a bit more money. Went on the odd holiday to like Florida, <clears throat> like Disneyland and stuff like that. Um, but then, yeah, and then I stopped, obviously stopped going on holiday with my parents. And it was just lads, 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 lads. Magaluf, Ibiza, all those type of holidays. Um, but yeah, nowhere ever as far as when I left to go to Southeast Asia. Oh, I tell a lie. I tell a lie. When I was 21, I worked in Abu Dhabi for a little bit. Abu Dhabi in Dubai. Did you? What were you doing there? <clears throat> I was doing, I was a data cable engineer. <laughs> a few, <laughs> few jobs. I <laughs> pulling, pulling in fibre optics for um, football stadiums. Okay. How long did that last? Um, I was only out there for a few months. Um, yeah, literally, there was like some so the F the F ones or Abu Dhabi or whatever. So and there was like lots of concerts and stuff. So we had to, you know, when you go, you get beats on the tickets. Kind of, you ticket outside of the stadium. Yeah, yeah. We'd put all the cables in for that. So okay. those wireless handheld things, <clears throat> and that was cool. <clears throat> that was cool. But again, it was just it was work, so it wasn't like traveling. Yeah. Okay. So getting back to travel bubble. You're familiar with the concept, you know, you've got, you pick three countries that you can only go to for the rest of your life, not including yep. your birth country. Um, oh. so, okay. but are you, well, I'm going to have to switch Canada for England then. <laughs> I, I, you, you want England as your birth country, yeah. Like, kind of is, isn't it? Like, technically, yeah. are you going to have England as your home country? I'm going to have England as my own country. Okay, cool. Have you, have you, heard, my, have you heard my accent? <laughs> I, I love the comment that somebody made on one of the last podcasts. This is It's like a very niche podcast because like, so many people can understand you. Yeah. It's going to be two of us now. You might as well just scrap this as soon as it's done. Yeah, the only people listening to this one is like, about it's the whole of St. Helens, really, isn't it? Um, and all the all the business uh, business readers have come out of the times. Um, oh, God. So three countries for the rest of your life. So... We'll jump into it now then, Jay. Okay. Uh, what would be your travel bubble destination number one? Well, the first one, I'm going to just get out of the way because it's a lot shorter in the story. Canada, where I am. Obviously, we've just been laughing and joking then. I was born here, but it's not, I don't really class this as 
word, my home, my home, um, England is. Obviously, like I said, I moved over to England when I was three months old. All of my friends are there. I've even got a second name for that town, which is Clitheroe, because my real second name is Boken. <laughs> but um, everybody knows me as that name. Um, yeah. So I'd say England's my home. So can you tell us a bit about St. Helens? Obviously, I'm from St. Helens, but like I've never had the, the chance to extol <laughs> its virtues to the world well um <laughs> god and put me on the spot here haven't you like um i do want to i do want to make some visits back so i'm gonna have to choose my words carefully <laughs> <laughs> uh, no it's um oh it's just a it's just a little town isn't it <laughs> um lots of different characters um quite a lot of it's pretty poor to be fair um a lot of working class people um so lots of good, good people. There's also a lot of idiots, a lot of idiots, and a lot of people that just can't stay outside of the town and stuff like that. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah that's just that's just home, and there's nothing wrong with that. If that's how you want to live your life, but then but then they've got I don't know, got nothing to hoping for or no wishes, or it's quite it can be quite a depressing town to be fair. What do people say to you? Do they all go like, "Oh, Jay, when you're coming back," or like, do they think, "Oh, do you, like, are they all expecting you to go back?" Is it like, is it just a matter of time, or? Is it, I don't know. Um, I think I, for the for the start, I did have um, people saying, "Oh, when are you coming back?" And now they've just given up. <laughs> I um, I kind of it's it's sad, and I've not done it purposefully. Um, but I've kind of lost touch with a lot of people back home now. I don't really speak to anybody, and that's and that's it's probably more my fault more than anybody else's. Um, because I have had people try and get in touch with me, and then I've just not got back to them. And, it's not because I don't want to speak to them. It's just because I've got my own life going on here now. And it's, it's sometimes it's difficult to keep up. Yeah. Well, one of the things is when you're away, you might be the only person that that person knows who's away. So like, like maybe like say I live in Bangkok, like I'm the only person that everyone else lives in St. Helens. So it's for you, for you to keep in touch with everyone is like, it's like having a part-time job. You'd have to yeah. be like a messenger on Facebook all the time. So sometimes it takes the person to be a bigger yeah. person to get in touch with you. Or like, it's, it's like not, you're not, not talking to people on purpose. It's just like life catches up with you and it's, it's hard to keep up with those uh, appearances. Yeah. But I've got to say, I'd say 80% of the calls that I do get are when my friends are smashed. <laughs> and they're uh... They're either pissed in the, they're obviously pissed in the kitchen on their own at home because, <laughs> because they're not allowed to go to any house parties. But yeah, just smashed. And everybody seems to be building these outhouses now, like 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 sheds in the garden that have a bar inside and everything. <laughs> that's how that's how um desperate people have got to have a little party. Yeah, well, my dad's got one and it's it's really good. It's called like the lockdown arms. And it's it's probably nice. one of the best pubs I've been to. It's a bit like you know, like quite small, like man cavey, and but it's got everything you could want in a pub, and yeah, people nice. are doing that now, aren't they? Yeah, it seems to be a big, big trend. I've seen it all, all over my Facebook. Yeah, in terms of traveling in England, where, where are the best things to like get about and go and go and see and do? I think Liverpool's a good day out. Liverpool <laughs> I might be biased because it's close to um, but Liverpool's really, really good to get out to. Um, there's so much history there. Um, and just the people though, in general, are friendly. It's got it's it's a nice it's a nice um it's a nice vibe. In the yeah, I sorry like. mate, I got I got a bit mixed up then. I was like, I thought we were talking about England, but we're talking about Canada, aren't we now? So yeah, no, <laughs> you can talk about both. 
I'll have double. <laughs> I get back to Canada. So you're obviously born there and you're back there now. Have you been to Canada much in between that time? Um, well, I first started coming out here when I was 10. And I got in touch with my dad who lives here. I was 10 years old. And he flew me over for the six-week holidays. And okay. I'd go over near enough each year for the six-week holidays. And um, to go out to the lake, go boating, all that type of stuff. Barbecues. And then... I stopped coming for a few years, and the last time I came, so I've probably been about five times in total. Once in winter, it's cold, very cold. Um, yeah, about five times. The last time was when I was about 23, 23, 24. Okay. Now 31. And where's your dad from? Is he from Canada? No, he's from England. My mum and dad, they're both from St. Helens. Okay. My mum's from um, Clockface, dad's from Sutton. And how did he settle on Winnipeg? Oh, so my dad's um, my dad's dad, my granddad, he got offered a job out here. So my dad and his brothers, they were all still like pretty young, well, 19, 20. So they decided to move over with their mum and dad. My mum was seeing my dad, so she went as well. So the whole family moved over. Okay, cool. So um, what are the sort of best things to do in Canada? Like maybe you've not done them yet, but what would be the must-do activity that when, when you're out of lockdown and quarantine that you're going to go and do? Um, to be honest with you, there's a lot of things I've not seen here. Like, I've not been to Calgary. I'd like to go to the Calgary Stampede. What's that? That's a great day out. Um, it's like a big cowboy festival. Okay. Um, yeah, and it's held once a year in Calgary. And they have, like, guys on the back of bulls and all that type of stuff and just like, all lots of, lots of country music. And, yeah, it's just like a proper cowboy festival. I yeah, that sounds good. Then um, there's obviously Niagara Falls I've not been to. Um, and then I'd like to go to like Toronto and go to the CN Tower, which used to be one of the biggest towers in the world. Yeah, I've got a lot, I'm, and then Vancouver as well. I've heard Vancouver's yeah, there's so things. much I've not seen yet. Okay, what would be like the top, the must-do activity in Canada if someone's coming? Um, I'd say Niagara Falls is probably up there. Yeah, just in terms yeah. of like big, like a big landmark that you've got to do. Yeah, 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 yeah. And what about your Canadian dish of choice? Okay, so it's definitely, it's got to be poutine. Yeah. So French fries, gravy and cheese. Just, yeah. It's every fat, every fat lad's dream. Chip, cheese and gravy, <laughs> isn't it? It's, it's, it's a winner. Yeah, exactly. And, and how, how like ubiquitous is that in Canada? Like, is, is it everywhere? Is it like we have chippies? They have like... Yeah. Poutine. I think it's just on every menu. I was literally on the Skip the Dishes app, which is just like Just Eat or anything like that, delivery app. And I looked at the McDonald's menu. Thank God they only accept a card and I don't have a bank account here yet, so I've not ordered once. But they, I went on the menu and I was I was looking at a Big Mac meal and then you can turn your fries into poutine. Okay, that's cool, isn't it? <laughs> so Big Mac with chips, cheesy, cheese, tumbler, chips, cheese and gravy. That, that should be, be a thing everywhere, shouldn't it, really? <laughs> yeah. Jesus. Yeah. It's hard so, attacking a bull. So um is there anything else you'd like to say about Canada? Because I know you said that was like it's a kind it's a place that you wanted on your list, but it's 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 a place that you're still getting to know and it's like now you're home. Is there anything else you'd like to say about it? Um No, not really. I can't really comment on it so much at the moment. Yeah. Uh, so I've just it's just on my list because I'm here now and it's there's so much I'm I'm, I'm gonna be able to see. In the yeah, exactly, yeah. Um so Canada, number one. What would be your travel bubble destination number two? 
So it would be Vietnam. Vietnam. I know you Vietnam yourself. Um, I think because I've spent so much time there and I got to know the place. I think when you, when you when you're traveling, if you don't spend a lot of time in one place, then it can just be easily forgotten. But when you've spent quite a bit of time in one place and you start to really pick up the culture, then I, I think I think that's when you stay a little bit closer to your heart. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. No. So, how long did you like stay in Vietnam then? Um, do you know what? It, it wasn't even a year, just less than a year. And you um, said you were in Hanoi. In Hanoi, yeah. So I started off on. I started off. I came from Ho Chi Minh, Saigon, and then I worked my way up the country to all the different um, stops on the way, the usual stops. Um, yeah, and then I got to Hanoi um, and started to teach. Yeah. yeah. So was it like you were always going to end up in Hanoi teaching because that's where your friend was going, or is it like that was like your favourite place? Oh, okay. <laughs> right, okay. I'll start from the beginning. So <laughs> I was with, um, I'd met a girl who I was going to travel through Vietnam with and we were both going to settle in Hanoi and both get jobs and live together there. Yeah. So <laughs> I've just told my story as though, like, stopped off in every little place. I had to get a 24-hour night bus once because of that. Right, so we started off in Saigon, and I think we went up to the next place, Moine, and uh, on Natrang. There's Moine on Natrang. And she, this girl I'd been seeing just turned out to be an absolute disaster. She was horrible. <laughs> well, like, did you all just realise when you were, like, travelling? Literally, yeah, but listen to this, right? I am... Um, the worst thing is, I met her in Cambodia. So I was in Cambodia just before I went to Vietnam, and I met her in Cambodia. And then we both flew home to our parents, and I, I met her parents, and she met mine. And then we plan- and then we flew back to Vietnam together to travel through and live together. And literally, we got to the second pit stop, and we hated each other. Yeah. <laughs> so, so then um, we ended up breaking up, and um, well, she broke up with me, so I was a, bit, a little bit bitter. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then um yeah i was gonna head to i was gonna all my friends were still in cambodia so i was like i was just gonna jump back on the bus from ho chi minh back to phnom penh it's not that far so i rang my friends and i was like i'm coming back and they're like no 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 we're in hanoi we've come here to surprise you for when you get here ah. so then i was like so then i was so i ran back downstairs in my hotel and changed my ticket from um it's now trying to my name somewhere on the way up. Um, and I changed my ticket from instead of Phnom Penh um, to Hanoi. <laughs> I didn't realise how far apart they were. They were so far. So, so far. <laughs> it was the worst bus ride of my life. What was it, it like a 20 hour? 24 hours. Oh, 24 hours. Okay, right. My phone was broken, so I had nothing to play on. And um, the driver just wouldn't stop when I needed the toilet. Oh, man, that's hell. <laughs> I had to piss into a blanket. <laughs> I had to curl it up into like a little potty and piss into a blanket because it would never stop for me. Ah, that's horrible. It's horrible. It was disgusting. I'm, what, I'm not proud of myself. What were other people doing? Is he just... Uh, well, they could speak Vietnamese. Yeah, and they're, <laughs> they're, they're eating the toilets on the bus. <laughs> there's actually two, there's two toilets on the bus. I've got a fetish for blankets. <laughs> Okay. Um, 
Yeah, they must have been stopping whenever I go to sleep. I don't know what was happening. They just never, <laughs> they just never seemed to stop. I got there and I got off the bus and I was like, oh my god. And then things things were pretty rough when I first got there, to be fair, um, because all of my friends who had moved there would all come from the island basically before. None of us had really taught. Um, we got some black TEFL certificates and teaching English as a foreign language. Some um, um what's it what's it called? Um, not Microsoft Paints. <laughs> ah. Where you can edit photos. No Photoshop. <laughs> Photoshop. That's the one. Yeah. Um, yeah, we were just getting Photoshop Teffels. It even got to the point where we were selling Photoshop Teffels yeah. to travellers. <laughs> we made a little business selling them. And but that got you the that got you a job. But that got me a job teaching, yeah. And I remember the um, the first lesson that I had because I'd never done it before, and it was I ended up with an eighteen to twenty five year old pronunciation course. <laughs> <laughs> So I turn up to this building, nervous as fuck. I'm like, oh, God, I don't know what I'm going to do here. I really don't know what I'm going to do. And I planned this lesson, and I got in there. And they passed me this other pack, and they went, no, this is what you'll be teaching. So I was like, oh, God. And I um, so I went upstairs, and I put the BBC R-O-E-U <laughs> sounds on. And yeah. I literally just went around for half an hour just making everybody in the class make these sounds pointing at them. <laughs> ah, ah, e, oh, ah, e, oh. I just blagged it. And then from that day on, I just blagged it and blagged it and blagged it. And then I actually got pretty good at it. Yeah. So, like, I don't want to give Teffel teachers a bad name because I'm I'm one of them. Like, but I got my. I even, I even bought one off Groupon. I just didn't think completing. <laughs> but my, my, I got mine off Groupon and that got me my first job and then so on and so forth. And like, you go yeah. get running from the. But you do end up like, like you're throwing it in the deep end. But like, did you find that you ended up like having like a passion for teaching and like, like yeah, working yeah, at it? I, yeah. I um, I started to enjoy it a lot more once I got rid of the nervousness because because if you've never been in a classroom environment before, then it's like I was being thrown in a cage of lions. Yeah. Did you have like any flashbacks of guilt to Cowley or anything? So what? Did you have any flashbacks of like of pangs guilt. of guilt? <laughs> when I was naughty in school, you mean? <laughs> um, yeah, I guess I did. I guess I know there was times I was thinking, "Oh, you little shit!" And I was thinking, "This is this is karma. This is karma." <laughs> no, so so you ended up like being in Hanoi, and there's a group of you teaching. Um, is it a good city to live in? It was a good city to live in. Let me just go back just a little bit. Oh, sorry, so the mate. first few weeks we were, the first few weeks we were there, none of us had a job and we were just picking up the odd hour here and there. We were all living inside of one dorm that just stunk because all we did was go out and get pissed. Oh. And all of us, all of us just slept in one dorm. People being sick in there and everything was horrible. It was horrible. And then after a few weeks, we managed to get hours and then get to get our own place. But to start, it was very, very rough. <laughs> um yeah, sorry, what was your next question? Yeah, so it's so it's not all like it's not all fucking roses and like oh no jesus christ bringing my mum up mum can you just send me 30 quid <laughs> i need to feed everybody in this dorm yeah <laughs> a so piece it, of ham and a bag of crisp it was getting to that kind of thing yeah oh it got rough yeah so you ended <laughs> up um get, getting established in, in hanoi um quite a cool city was it a good city to live in yeah it was really really cool um lots to do really good um like music scene um there's a lot of a lot of people just pass through hanoi but when you live there you find out there's like a big like huge drum and bass 
seeing loads of big clubs and big parties and stuff like that they're going on festivals are on quite a lot um I've got a lot of friends who are still out there and they're just smashing it. Just there's a guy who started and he was just teaching and he's a DJ, but now he's just full time DJs. He's at yeah. different parties and festivals near every day. Class. So he's doing really, really well out of it. And you've got like what I remember it is the like the beer the beer corner or like the beer hoy, that place where you get all the cheap beer. Oh yeah. That well that was good because as I said, we were all skint. So we just go down there each night. <laughs> you get like a beer for like five, five or ten pence. A, yeah, literally. Yeah. Mm. Tastes I, like piss, but <laughs> I remember dog meat streets as well. Like the dog streets. Oh, Did you ever uh, try some of that? No, not that I'm aware of. I um I ended up moving out of outside of Hanoi to the province um called Baknin, Baknin province. Ended up going out teaching there for a few months. Because we got offered a job where it was a like a house, we get all food and drink, and we'd get a salary. Okay. Um, so the only thing is, it was like an hour or so outside of the city. So each weekend we'd have to drive into Hanoi, book a book a room for the weekend, and then go out and party and do whatever we wanted. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, it was outside of the city. Um, now we were getting sent to different schools each day, all within this province and wherever we were needed. And sometimes we'd be driving home on a motorbike, and there was just like. Do you know, like the wooden tables that when you're like decorating your house, the plastic, the big yeah, yeah. tables that you that you wallpaper and paste on. Yeah, it was just big tables like that, out just with full dogs, full dogs, still not even cut up, just like the shape of them. You can still see their eyes and the teeth, and they've just been come out the boiler. Oh, yeah, no, was, I, um, I remember that street in Hanoi, and like they were all on like spits, so like like you spit roast a pig, but with like dogs. Um, I didn't try oh, any though. Horrible. Hmm. No, I, I um, I've seen I've seen it quite a lot. I've seen it in Cambodia as well, and I imagine it's happening a lot in Thailand. Um, it is a big problem problem in South Asia. Well, it is and it isn't. Like obviously, there's a reason they do it because, from what I've been told, it was obviously when they were being bombed so much throughout the wars, there was like absolute famine, so they they had to eat yeah, yeah. anything they could get their hands on. Yeah, exactly. Um, just just a few weeks ago, I was down on one of the islands on in Cambodia, on Koh Rong, and um, there was a lady, and she's walking up and down the beach. And because um, the tourism industry is completely gone, and there's a lot of people who are really hard up there, she's doing well out of it now because they can afford to buy dog meat because it's cheap. So she's just walking up and down the beach selling dog meat all day to all the builders and stuff like that, and she's making a killing. Okay, that's mad, isn't it? So yeah, um, yeah, I remember like. This wasn't in Vietnam, it was in Cambodia. But obviously, um, again, ravaged because of Pol Pot and they, they were eating whatever they could. I, I had like um, some ants and an ant's nest. And oh it was and it was honestly, honestly one of the worst things I've ever eaten. I, that's what I think. When people <laughs> say, what's, what's the worst thing you've ever eaten? I say, oh, it's the ant's nest. Because they, they've got like a formic acid in the body. You know, like the ants that bite you. So the acid just yeah. takes all the moisture outside your mouth and you have that with like some fermented fish sauce and banana flour, which is dry anyway. And it was terrible, but like, it's easy for me to say that, <laughs> like, cause I don't have to eat it every day. Um, yeah. So, but it is, it's a fucking like shame if you could say that. Yeah. It's sad. It is sad. Um, well, it's, it's just, um, it, I think, Obviously, in the countries like Cambodia, Vietnam, Laos, Myanmar, where they're so poor, 
um, they don't know any different. Yeah. And they, they don't realize they're, under, they're all under a thumb. Like literally they just, the government wants to keep those people there because that keeps things running. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. So like we, we go in and go, oh, yeah, dopamine's horrible. But like for them, that's just like life. That's what they eat to yeah. survive. And that's, that's exactly. their life. Exactly. And if, you, if you're a vegetarian or a vegan, your argument would be, oh, but it's okay to eat a cow and it's okay to eat a pig, but you can't eat a dog. Why yeah. is that? I've been exactly. asked with that so many times. And I'm like, well, I didn't grow up with a cow in my living room. <laughs> People do say that, though, don't they? Um, but yeah, um, going back to Vietnam, what would what sort of like things do you get to go and see, like, uh, travel-wise? Um, I went to like Ninh Ben, um, as I mentioned before, I went to Moine and um, Nha Trang, which are very Russian, by the way, very, very Russian. Yeah, Nha Trang's Russian. I skipped Nha Trang yeah. because I heard it was Russian. Uh, I don't know why I skipped, I don't, I don't, I've got nothing against the Russians, but I heard it was like, <laughs> uh, like a Russian like beach resort, like Benidormy yeah. type for Russians. So I just the like, oh, we'll just buy a the only times that a guy comes out of a restaurant to me, like, and I was like, no, mate, I'm English. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so Nimbin's good. Um, I think my favourite definitely was Halong Bay, Katbar, Katbar Island, Halong Bay. Yeah. Absolutely beautiful place. So would that um, be your most-do most activity in Vietnam? Halong Bay, yeah, for sure. Yeah. So- 100%. Logistically, do you know do you know any like good boat companies that go like when you went? Did you did you know someone or did you just find a company? Um for for the boats, um we there's lots of obviously as you know yourself, there's lots of offices that are just offering trips. Um so I think we just booked through one of those. And then we knew a guy who from Hanoi who had a guest house there. Um okay. so we went and stayed at his place. Yeah, it was pretty easy. And then when we went out to see all, like, everything on the boats, yeah, was, you could buy all your tickets and stuff at the hospital. It was pretty yeah. Yeah, like, I think I mentioned it on a previous episode, episode three or four with Henrik, or five. Uh, yeah. And I said, like, we were on a boat with quite a few people and we all found out that we were all paid, like, wildly different prices for the oh, same yeah. boat. Yeah. like because of the same, commission. Yeah, yeah. But we'd all got the same like package and all the same thing, but everyone had paid all, all different. But we actually, I'd say it was quite a good, a good service and good value, whatever we paid. It was all right. And then did you do it? Or have, you, have you done it more than once? No, it was just the one time, just the one time. Um, yeah. Just one time to how long day, but it was, it was, like I said, it was the best thing I've done in Vietnam. Really yeah. beautiful. Like the limestone cliffs. Where I felt like I was in Jurassic Park. Yeah, it is. It is beautiful. Um, and what would be your must, um, your favourite food from Vietnam? You must have dish. Oh, okay. So it's not so much a dish; it's a restaurant. Okay, no, you like even better. Um, I don't know how much time. How much time did you spend in Hanoi? Um, not very much. Like maybe two nights, three nights, something like that. Okay. Well, there's a fantastic burger restaurant called Chops. 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 Yeah, there's a couple of them throughout Vietnam. Um, and they're just absolutely fantastic gourmet burgers. Yeah. Like, all the best ingredients. Like, literally just something that I did not expect to find. Like, really, really high-end. Like, if you ask anybody about it who's lived, spent enough time in Hanoi, they'll know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. 
that's cool. Um, price wise, um, oh, some dong, isn't it? I'm trying to remember what dong was. I don't think it was any more than about eight, eight or nine pounds a burger. Yeah, but like good stuff. Would that be like when you're missing home, you go and get a chops or something? Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah, when we probably wanted. Because as I mentioned earlier, we were out in the um, the province and we were eating the food that was being cooked for us. Sometimes they'd bring dishes out and you'd go to the table and you'd go, oh, what the fuck is that? <laughs> I am absolutely starving and I am not going to be able to eat that because I don't know what it is. <laughs> well, what was so your could have, could have like, been dog. <laughs> what, what was it like living out there? Like, What was your house like in accommodation? Oh, it was a huge, huge house. But um, the funny thing is, when you walked in, like there was a big front room and the grandma of the house. So the guy who's come to work for it was his house or his grandparents' house. Anyway, the great, 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 great grandma was still in the front room <laughs> under this uh, mosquito net in this bed. And she just looked like something off the mummy, mummy returned. <laughs> Like, I don't know how she was still alive. She was just literally, she was, she was a few minutes away from death. So we'd, we'd come home and just be, that would be the first thing we had to walk past. When we walk into the kitchen and upstairs and there's like four or five different bedrooms. We all had our own room. Um, and then we'd just get called down for like dinner each night. And so, and I'm very, very fussy. <laughs> I was going to be honest. And I go down and like, you'll know yourself. It's when you're having a chicken, chicken dinner, you have your chicken breast, your chicken leg. In Asia, it's not that way. They just chop it, chop, 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 yeah. chop. All the way down. And then I struggle to find the meat off it. I'm just like, I've got like bones in my mouth. And I'm like, this is not <laughs> enjoyable at all. Yeah, I, I had my first chicken feet in Vietnam. And I'm not a big fan. There's nothing on it. No. You're just sucking on a toe. <laughs> not for the first time as well. <laughs> Um, so is there anything actually like I was to say, say we've, not, we've not told them our history or we know each other from school have we <laughs> um, is there anything actually like to say about Vietnam before we move on I bet you've got some good stories to tell um, oh Vietnam we used to do um, we used to this is something that I'd advise people to do once backpacking starts again when you're in Vietnam do the Circle K challenge so say again we're, we're, the Circle K Challenge. So right. Circle K is a chain of stores, if anybody doesn't know, just like your 7-Eleven that you have in Thailand or co-op that you have in England. Okay. And it's just, just a chain of shops and they obviously sell beer. So we were living on one, we were staying at a hotel on one road and we were going into the old quarter where there was a lot of bars. But the Circle K Challenge is you have to have a beer at every Circle K before you get to your final destination. Okay. Now, there's a lot of Circle Ks. <laughs> There's one literally nearly every corner. So before you even got to the bar, you've been to about nine Circle Ks. <laughs> That's a good, so I can it's imagine a, it. I'm thinking it'd be in Bangkok and doing it like the 7-Eleven challenge or something. Because there's like, like you'd yeah. say, there'd be 10. I've never heard of that. So that's that's a good idea. Yeah. And they've usually got tables in there in church. So you can just go and sit in and just get pissed up. Yeah. <laughs> that's a good idea. Cool. Um, so you've got two countries so far, Jay. You've had Canada, Vietnam. What would be your yep. travel bubble destination number three? Um, I keep waiting for that aeroplane sound to come in. Um, <laughs> I, I, I should get actually play it like live because it, it takes me so long editing, you know, mate. Like, <laughs> there should be a quicker way of doing it. I just not found it yet.
Um, okay, so number three, and probably my favourite, um, is Cambodia, where I've oh. just come from. Okay, yeah, I thought you'd have Cambodia in there. Yeah, it's got a very, very special place in my heart. Um, it's a place throughout all the majority of the time that I've been away from home that I've spent the most time and I've put the most effort into, I guess. Like Vietnam, I learned a little bit of the language just for in Cambodia, I wouldn't say I know a lot, but I've managed to pick up enough to, if somebody's having a conversation, I can kind of get the gist of what they're talking about. Yeah. Every now and then. Um, not only that, my uh, my girlfriend, who's still there at the moment, but hopefully will be out in Canada soon. Um, I met her though. She's Cambodian. And I've just got so many friends there now who are locals and I understand the culture. And they're just very, very nice people. Very, very, they say Thailand, but um, Landa Smiles, is it? Yeah. I'd say Cambodia, Cambodia is equally the same, probably even more so now since Thailand's been so um, um, tourist. What's the word? Overdone, maybe. Yeah, over touristy. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, wh- where have you lived? Was it like was it near Sienukville, your island? Or was it around there or? Yeah, the the island that so there's two. There's quite a few islands actually, but the two main islands that people go to are just off Sienukville. Um, and the Korong and Korong Salam, Korong Samoan. Um, now, they're both, they've both got results on them, et cetera. But yeah, they're just, just about 40 minutes away from, 30, 40 minutes on a boat away from Sayanabal. Okay. Um, how long did, would you say you lived around there? Um, okay, so it was the very first place that I stopped, stayed when I arrived, and I stayed on Korong for around five or six months. Um I was just um, selling boat trips, working in hostels, being boat, like a guide on a boat, selling some drugs here and there, um, <laughs> just just doing 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 what I could to make some money and have a good time. Yeah, yeah, like grafting, and grafting. Then, yeah, yeah, and then on the other island, um, probably about the same, six months, maybe a little bit more, but that was where I'd invested in the business. Um, so then I was still partying a lot, but I was also focusing on the business. How how is that doing now? Like obviously COVID times is a bit is it but it's still going at all? The islands, you mean? Oh, like, no, like Blue Dog, I mean. Oh Blue Dog. Oh no, um it closed it closed quite a while ago. Um it all fell through because the Cambodian business partners that were involved um weren't really pulling the weights, etc. So it just we ended up getting rid of the sold all shares, etc. Okay, cool. And then but you so you've gone from the island life, like the like some of the most beautiful islands in the world. That yeah. lifestyle, and you've gone and you've gone to live in Phnom Penh. Mm. Wow, yeah, it's completely, completely different. Like um, on the islands, as you can imagine, most people will go on island to the islands. They'll go on holidays, and the longest they'll go for is a week, two weeks, or something, a couple of weeks. Usually, when traveling, it's only like three or four days. So people just come and go, and they see. Obviously, it's very beautiful: white sands, clear waters, parties, etc. But then when you're there for a while, sometimes it can feel like prison being on the island. Because once the yeah. last boat's gone, the water's there, and that's that's like your bars stopping you from getting off the island. Yeah. Um, so you get like like locked in syndrome kind of thing. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Literally. yeah. Um, and like there was times when on the island when I was when I was quite skint. So I was still waiting for my money to come through from my little business head at home. Um so yeah, sometimes it, even on there, like I said, on a tropical island, it got rough. 
was times when I was hungry and I didn't have much money to buy food and stuff like that. Where because I went from working in hostels where I got food, drink, and accommodation to working for a boat company just selling tickets. So literally everything, every ticket that I sold, I'd make like four or five dollars commission, yeah. and that was what my job was then for. A but while. if you sold nothing, you got nothing, kind of thing. Yeah, literally, yeah. That's mad. So, um, so, but, so what was the transition like? So you you got out of uh, Blue Dog, got out of the hostel, and um, how did you end up in the city? Yeah. Um, I had a couple of friends up there. One of them from St. Helens, Josh, Josh Banks. He was up there. He'd come out to Vietnam when I was in Vietnam, actually, and met me there. And then we just stuck with each other for the rest of it. Okay. So anyway, he, he, he couldn't deal with he couldn't bear with it on the island because um, it was too small for him. Um, <clears throat> so he moved up to the city. So then I got fed up with the island. So I was like, okay, I'll go up there. And then he'd started teaching. So I thought, well, I'll start teaching again. And it was pretty, pretty fast like that, yeah. What's like the expat bubble like in um, Phnom Penh? Because I know in Bangkok there's a big expat bubble and like you start to get you seeing the same faces, the same people, but it's still big enough where it's not people don't know each other's business, but we're in, as in Phnom Penh. Not, I'm, not, I'm not saying this is the case, I don't know. That's why I'm asking. But I can imagine like you all go into like, there's only so many bars in Phnom Penh, but I, I went like eight years ago. It might be different now. Yeah, um Oh yeah, there's quite a few bars, but I think there is quite a few bars in Phnom Penh. But I think what the thing is is there's only so many locals. Yeah, like, what I mean is when I say locals, like there's like four of those bars that main, mainly people will go to. And yeah. now two of them might be on one end of the city and two of them on the other. But so that means obviously you can keep far enough away from people if you don't want to see them. Okay. But to be fair, it's very you you. It's very rare that you see somebody's face and don't know who they are, especially even more so since COVID because there is no backpackers and travellers in between to fill out the space. You just see people and he's counting you, everybody. Yeah. Across the city. Did you find that when you went into journalism, you you got to know the city better like, and going to places and meeting people like you would, wouldn't would normally have done? Oh, for sure. Um, wow, the amount of events that I went to, that was one of the perks of the job for the journalism. Because the money wasn't very good, to be fair. It was enough to get by, but it wasn't very good. But I got to go to events like there have been... I went to the... Um, the last event I went to was at the Hyatt Regency Hotel, which was quite a brand new fancy hotel. Um, and it was for the American Chamber of Commerce to Cambodia. Um, first party after COVID. But yeah. I went I'm on this rooftop and it's just free full of wine and beer and food and everything just as much as you want. And then you're meeting people like um, the owners of businesses, CEOs of companies and all this type of stuff, and you're just switching business cards. So I've built quite a good connection up for just, just through that. Yeah. Um, what um, Going back to like the travel in Cambodia, what are some of the highlights that people can go and visit yeah. and see and do in that country? Okay, so there's quite a lot. There's a couple that even I didn't do, which is pretty sad, but I'm sure I'll be back. Um so obviously there's Siem Reap with Angkor Wat temples. That's usually a good start. Um, and then there's Pub Street. Obviously once things are back to normal, Pub Street's always fun. Um, there's like a hot air balloon that you can go over the top of Angkor Wat to view it, which is pretty cool. Um, I'd say that's that's it for Siem Reap unless you travel a little bit outside. There's also like this Batambang um, with the 
the train. What's the, um, the bamboo, the bamboo train. railway? Yeah. Yeah. The bamboo railway. And there's also like a bat cave that you can go and view every day. Um, like thousands and thousands and thousands of bats all fly out at the same time. That's something I didn't do, which I, I wish I didn't want to bat and bang to be fair. Yeah. I've um, done bat and bang. And like, I was amazed. I was amazed at how, like, I didn't know. I heard people say, oh, the bam- bamboo railway. And I'm like, yeah, what is that though? And basically it's just like an old disused railway track and people rig up these like, like two stroke engines and they make their own axles and then they just like pelt it along the, this railway on the homemade <laughs> little carriages. And then, but if, if someone else comes towards you, you have to get off, take it all apart and then just chuck it back on the tracks. But you are going at quite a speed. It's quite, it's quite fun. Is it, is it fast? Yeah. Yeah. And like, you just, you just on like on a train track going really fast, but on, We've got walls around yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, with just an engine that someone some old man's made. It, it is quite fun. I I think if you're doing the route from like CM Reap down, whatever, I think Bam Bang's just like a natural stop off yeah. of a place you'd go to. But yeah, I, I enjoyed sure. it there. Um and then there's like did you go to Mundal Kiri or Ratnakiri? No, no. Um that's that's another spot. That's where the, it's like really lots of mountains and greenery and there's um there's elephants there as well. There's elephant sanctuaries that you can go and uh, wash the elephants and feed them and get in the water with them. No, no riding on the back, none of that type of stuff. Because I know a lot of people are um, against that. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's like a very um, eth- ethical elephant sanctuary. Yeah, um, and obviously you've got like a macabre side, macabre side of uh, Cambodian tourism, especially like Phnom Penh, the killing fields, and that side of thing, like. Did you, did you go to that? How do you feel about that? Oh, for sure. Um, yeah, I visited those places. Obviously, the first time I went, it was I visited them. And they're very sad. Obviously, it tells you the story. You have like a headset on and they tell you the stories. You're walking around. You see a lot of, you learn about the history of the Khmer Rouge, how millions of people were killed and tortured. And, and it's literally not so long ago. It's literally like 40, 50 years ago yeah. it was happening. Um which some people don't realise. It's, it's so, so fresh. And I think one of the things that you notice the most is when, when you live there, you probably even notice it if you spent a few days or a week there, is there's a lot of tuk-tuk drivers and older people that went through that Khmer Rouge and they're still working as a tuk-tuk driver or hotel staff security. or And they just, they just carry on. They don't even think about it anymore. It doesn't get brought up. You don't really speak about it. It's, it's kind of like forbidden to, to talk about it in a way. Yeah, so they're just like life's gone on. They've got all these like horrors and like these memories, but life goes on. They've still got to earn a bit of cash. Yeah, exactly. To, just to live. Mm, the, so and there's some people like still walking around with like half an arm missing, all the legs going around on a skateboard. Yeah, you see that around around on a skateboard. Yeah. So sad. Yeah. No, it's it's awful. Yeah. Um, do you say your girlfriend's Cambodian? Is there anything that you ever talk about that kind of thing? Um, yeah, she's Cambodian. To be honest with you, I don't know what they teach them at school about it because I've, I've mentioned it before. It's never really been like, a, oh, it's a touchy subject, like I can't speak about it. I've spoken to her about it before, but she just doesn't really, she's not, she said that she went to one of the museums when she was in high school. She remembers going to that. Yeah. But they don't really, yeah. So obviously they, they are educating the students in the country about it. But again, nobody really talks about it. I don't know okay. if maybe that maybe her parents shushed her when she tried to talk about it. So that's yeah. how she feels now. I don't know that maybe could be the case. Much. Okay. 
So um, what would you say your highlights for Cam- Cambodia would be? What would be the must-do thing? Mm. The must-do thing for Cambodia. There's a place called Kampot. Kampot, okay. Yeah. Um, even if the Kampot goes to the islands, is one of the best things. Kampot's just a little um, riverside town. There's mountains. It's, it's really, really beautiful. It's really, really nice there. There's um, really good food. It's like French colonial architecture, all the buildings around there, like a sleepy little town. Like it's it's nice, it's beautiful. Okay. And how far away is that from Phnom Penh? Um, it takes around three hours, three to four hours in a taxi or the bus. Okay, would that be like one of those weekend escapes from Phnom Penh? Like if you get want to get out of the city, you go to camp. Yeah, yeah, literally. So it's like on the way to the islands, but the islands would take like seven hours to get to you from Phnom Penh. Whereas Campot's just three, three and a half. So you can just go down there for a weekend. And... Okay, cool. Yeah. And what about um, food-wise in Cambodia? Oh, okay. <laughs> um, there's a place, it's a pizza shop. Yeah, okay. <laughs> it's, not, it's not even a pizza shop. It's just like a pizza oven at the side of the road. Yeah. That you go to, which is across the road from one of the main nightclubs. Okay. Um, and it's called Katy Perry's Pizza. Yeah, it sounds good. It's just literally just cheap $5 pizzas, but they're so, so nice. Yeah. <laughs> so it would either be that or it would be the beef. <laughs> it would be beef lock lock, the national dish. Okay. Nah, it's got to be Katy Perry's pizza, right? <laughs> <laughs> so what's the, what's the nightclub called? Like, if we're, so where people opens up, people are going to go here. Uh, pontoon. Pontoon. Yeah, it's, it's a dodgy club. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm... Um, what I know you spent a lot of time like in Phnom Penh. What's your favourite bar in Phnom Penh? Like, is a bit of an added extra. Oh, okay. Um, well, my local um, is it's called the Big Easy. Okay. Um, and the big the Big Easy they started in Sianetville like eight nine years ago. And backpacking was really really big, and there's like all of Sianetville was pretty busy with bars before the Chinese take, took over. They started there, and then they opened another on the islands, and then they've got one in the city as well. And it's just like a sports bar. It's nice, cheap food, cheap booze, sports run all day. It's just a, just like a proper pub. Like a okay, local. cool. Yeah, I've seen that in your Facebook post, The Big Easy, and I've always wondered about that. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Um, is there anything else you'd like to say about Cambodia? Any um, any funny stories, anecdotes, or anything you'd like to add? Um, no, I could, go on, I could go on forever and forever if I did. <laughs> Mm. Um, just so it, it will always um, always have a place in my heart I wish my missus is there I've got a lot of friends there and although I've moved here to Canada now I will obviously I'll be back to Cambodia yeah just to, just to visit yeah okay so you've got your three countries they're locked in now you've got Canada Vietnam and Cambodia what would be your fourth wildcard country which is a place that you've never been but for some reason you're allowed to go I think it'd be the Philippines. Okay. I never, I never got to the Philippines, and obviously, I've just made a few complaints about being stuck on an island. But I do actually love tropical islands with clear water and white sand. And the Philippines has got over seven thousand of them, so it's going to be that. Okay. Um, as an aside, before you, you said that <laughs> Sean McGinnis didn't need you in the Philippines. <laughs> oh God! <laughs> Have I, I, this, this, he, he was. He was one of these separate tracks on the road of my life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Um, so I was living in Hanoi and then I was going to go to the Philippines and then move to Canada. <laughs> I was before I bought into the hostel and become a teacher and a journalist. This was going back like quite a few years, about three years. Um, I was supposed to meet Sean McGuinness in the Philippines before I went. So <clears throat> Sean McGuinness let me down last minute. I'd booked my flight to the Philippines, everything, and he let me down and you'd think he's like, oh, I can't come or whatever. So then instead of me going to the Philippines with the flight that I booked because I didn't want to go on my own, I, um, I just went back to Cambodia. Okay. And I bought into that hostel. So it was like sliding so doors. Go. So if Sean McGuinness got on that plane, you, who knows where you'd be right now or what you'd be doing? <laughs> I'd probably be in Canada. Yeah. With a wife and a kid. Who was in Cambodia. <laughs> so... Um, is there anything that you want to do in, in Philippines in particular? Um, I just, I just island hopping, just going from one island to the next. Just literally, yeah. I'd like to do obviously like Manila and the city for one or two nights, but then literally just fly out to the islands and just keep going from island to island to island. Okay. Well, thanks very much, Jay. You've got your four travel bubble countries then. They're all locked in, done and dusted. Thanks very much. Before you go, I'd like to ask you a few generic travel questions, if that's all right. Nice one, Jay. That was good. I'll um, I'll do the generic travel questions now. <laughs> what would be your top travel tip for someone about to go out and see the world? Oh... Don't make any real plans. Okay. Um, and to be more specific on that, like I went a few years ago before I actually came traveling, traveling. I booked a holiday through ST Travel or STA Travel, whatever they're called. Best in and peace. I had all my hotels. Yeah, gone, gone sadly. Um, but I booked, booked all of our hotels, flights, dates, everything like that. Everything was structured. And then since coming traveling, I was like, no, 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 no. You can't do it like that because you might find somebody that you like, even like you love, like me, <laughs> stay four years. A bit of an exaggeration, but you might find somebody that you want to spend an extra week in or an extra two weeks in. Yeah, you put pressure on yourself there, haven't you? Like we're doing, doing those tours. Like there's a, I'm a tour leader, so I, I, I do like sets, set structure because people have to, they have to come in and have to go out on certain dates. But if you've got that, if you've got that time blocked away, and you've got a loose plan, you've got nothing to go back for, then f- book an in, in flight and then just take your time and just see what happens. Exactly, because like, as I mentioned before, when I was in Siem Reap and I was going to go back to Bangkok, I met that lovely couple in Siem Reap that told me they were heading down to the islands and they, um, how beautiful they were. So literally, we just went, okay, Sam, we'll come. And it's just good to, just to make those choices because. I didn't really know where, where I was going to go next. And you just meet people who tell you someone's good or someone's shite or whatever. And it really can lead you in a different direction. No, hundred percent. That's a really good tip. Um, yeah. Don't be all like, and I like, going on top of that as well. Like, don't be sad if you've missed something out. Like sometimes like even best laid plans of mice and men, Afghanagale, like, you might not be able to get a chance to go to that place, but like just make the most of the moment rather than stressing and like chasing the next bus or the chasing the next train. Just enjoy where you are. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. And and another thing, one last thing to add to that is if any opportunity comes up while you're out, 
away from home. Just take it. As long as your responsibilities back home aren't way too much, you know what I mean? If it's just a job that you can mind a job just and you get offered a job somewhere else and you're considering it, just do it. Just do it. Like as long do as you've you got a wife and five kids back at home, they're just <laughs> and I've I've seen a few of them go down. <laughs> do you get um do you get people contacting you going, Oh, I really want to I wanna go I wanna go and do it, Jay? And like you'll tell them and then but you know full well that they won't. You get that? Oh, 100%. It's every week. Every <laughs> fucking week. <laughs> um, the, the, the maddest one is Josh Banks was telling me he was going to, but then he actually did it. He did it. So I, I cannot fault him. Um, I'll tell you who you want to get on to. Fucking Ant Arden. He's the worst for it. <laughs> yeah, well, he's told me that. He's... I'm just going I'm just going to name and shame him right now. Yeah, go on. <laughs> I know I'm, I'm listening. I'm moving out with you. 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 I'll be there, be there in no time. When can I come? When can I come? I send them flights. I even take time out of my own day to start booking their itinerary for them, working things out, looking for jobs for them. And then they just never come through. Yeah. It's, it is scary, isn't it? Like to take the leap, to take the leap. But once you've done yeah. it, the worst that can happen is you go back home. Like, well, this has been the scariest part for me moving to Canada because because when I've moved and I stayed away from home and I moved to Cambodia and Vietnam, I didn't plan. I didn't plan that. It just happened. Whereas when I was leaving Cambodia, where I had my girlfriend, an apartment, job, all my friends to come to Canada, I was actually making the choice to leave my home and go to somewhere else. Yeah, which might seem a bit strange, but like the rest of it was unplanned and it just happened. Whereas now this is a choice I've made. So this is the first thing that you've actually gone and like done so is that like do you feel a bit nervous yeah. like because yeah. you, you obviously you don't know what you're going to do you don't know where you're going to work like, you've got your place now but like it is really unknown isn't it oh literally completely like i'm applying for jobs and stuff like that but it's like it's just a whole new world and different i know we're all like we're western but it's still a different culture people are just completely different here than they are in England or I know I've met a lot of different people from different places throughout the world of my travels, but now I have to actually fit into a system here and be Canadian in a way. Yeah. But apparently they're quite nice, aren't they? The Canadians. Well, you're actually Canadian. You're, you're all right. Yeah. Very, they're, they're very, very nice. <laughs> <laughs> no, like, I'm, I'm excited. As scary as it is, it's also exciting as well. Yeah. It's exciting. I've just got a lot of stress on my mind at the moment. Just, a lot of stress but I'm in the middle of me and my girlfriend are in the middle of applying for a visa to come out and visit in the summer um, to see if she likes it and obviously if she likes it and we talk about trying to get her a full-time visa to move out here but just obviously with everything going on with COVID and stuff like that nothing's for sure whether she'll get a visa and stuff so yeah so everything's just unknown and up in the air look at building my life yeah everything's all just yeah 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 no but I'm sure you'll be okay Jay um, what Going back to something more flippant, what's the best souvenir oh. you ever bought on your holidays? <laughs> best souvenir? Yeah. Um, I don't know, actually. It's like, like a weird one. Bought a taser. <laughs> that's, that's good. That's perfect. Where did you get that from? Um, did you sell them in the market? <laughs> <laughs> in, in Cambodia, Cambodia. just sell them in the market yeah they, they just look like um, they just look like torches and then zzz, you're done <laughs> so are you using it or are you just walking you walking around with it or is no. it just a toy no <laughs> I just bought it just, just, just as a toy um, 
but it's quite funny because obviously that seems quite extreme. But I've got a friend who's lived in Cambodia for like the last 20 years. And he said when he first arrived, it was like the real Wild West. And he could go and buy grenades and stuff like that from the local the local markets. All yeah. like the grenades and like clay fucking bombs and stuff like that that were left over from the Khmer Rouge. Right. Yeah, so Taze is pretty tame. Yeah, it's just pretty tame, yeah. Did you did you get to use it on anyone or on yourself or anything? No. <laughs> just next door's cat. So that's how I get my dog meat. <laughs> yeah. So is that your best souvenir you've got or the the one that sticks in your mind? I like it. Yeah, that's the one that sticks the one that sticks in my mind. I can't really class my missus as a um well, it's something, well, that, it's something that you've acquired while traveling, but maybe you didn't pay for it. Yeah. So, but it, yeah. So yeah, maybe... bum, 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 message, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, acquired it while traveling and I didn't pay for it. <laughs> um, so, I we've talked about all the good times about travel. We've touched on some bad bad times as well. What has been, have you had any like dangerous moments or touch and go moments? Oh yes. Um, so when when I first got to Korong, you were able. Obviously, the island's very very dangerous. Um, like if you get lost outside of the main part where all the bars and stuff are, you can get lost in the jungle. Korong's the same size as Hong Kong. Um, the island's the same size as Hong Kong. It's, it's, it's huge. Right. Okay. Um, anyway, so me and some people I'd just met on the island decided to trek through the jungle to the other side of the island where it was supposedly a better sunset and then come back round on a boat. So we trekked through the jungle in flip-flops, which was just a bad idea, real bad idea. They broke straight away, like halfway in. Um, anyway, we trekked through this jungle that's horrible, stripping with sweat. It's full of shit, mud and everything. All I took with me in my bag was a beer, which was warm, a pack of M&Ms, <laughs> peanut M&Ms, and a, and, and a joint. Um Literally, so anyway, we ended up getting to the beach on the other side of the island. The whole sky just turned black, like literally just black. Just a storm had come. So we knew that we couldn't go back through the jungle because like, it was going to rain so heavy. We literally found a bit of cover. We thought we were going to be stuck there overnight because the sea was like proper wavy. It was just horrible. It was like a had, real big hurricane. Had you arranged a boat to come and meet you there? or No, we were just expecting one. And... Um, <laughs> Because sometimes, well, usually there are boats around there. Okay. There wasn't any boats um, until this fit, small fisherman's boat came around and he said we could all get on it for $5 each. <laughs> oh, my God. It was the biggest mistake of my life. I was. We went out to sea and there was water just cascading over the boat, waves nearly tipping it over. I was holding onto the boat and I was just holding onto it so tight. A piece of wood snapped off the boat and was in my hand. Just looking, for fuck's sake, if the boat can't even keep itself together, what hope do we have? I looked around and there was one life jacket between like eight people. Um, and the girl next to me was just laughing, using a GoPro to video it all the psychopath. Yeah. Um, water came over the top and flooded the engine. So the engine cut out. So we were just literally just out at sea, waves coming over the top. I genuinely thought the boat was going to tip. We got the engine back running, thankfully, and we got round. It took a couple of hours to get round to the other side of the island, where it would usually only take 20 minutes. And I literally jumped off the boat, and I was, like, kissing the beach. 
I was like fucking. It was the closest near death experience I've ever had in my life. It was horrible. Yeah, so you you genuinely thought like this is it? This is it. Yeah. Oh, I was going to be the first to get that life jacket. (laughs) (laughs) I can imagine. Okay. What about any other stories? Like any other like mad ones? Not near misses, but is, is the next question, have you met any weirdos? Yeah, okay. <laughs> um, have you met any weirdos on your travels, Jay? <laughs> oh, I've met lots. <laughs> so, so many. But I wrote this one down, so I wouldn't forget to tell you. Okay. <laughs> there was this guy, this was in Vietnam, okay? So right. this is a really, really weird story. Okay. Um, was this really, really, really... Um, Gay Filipino guy. Yeah. Nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with gay Filipino guys. Absolutely nothing wrong with that. Um, but the thing that was wrong is he was found to be, he kept putting Valiums in guys' drinks that he fancied. Right. Like, like sleeping drugs in the drinks. And then when they'd go to the dorms and they'd like drunk and tired and pass out, <laughs> he was caught wanking them off. So he used to spike. He used to spike good-looking back, like backpacking blokes, till they were asleep, and then he'd wank them off in the dorms. <laughs> yeah, he was caught. He was caught doing it numerous times. <laughs> That's mad. It's um, fucking horrible, isn't it? <laughs> did you let him finish? <laughs> what he didn't see, what he didn't see was I wasn't taking the tablets. I was wide awake. <laughs> uh, that's mad, that isn't it? So like. I didn't even know Strange. that was a thing. I've never heard that. Yeah, yeah. so what, what happened to him then? Um, I think he just continued to do it. <laughs> Nobody yeah. seems to be batting an eyelid. <laughs> yeah, like he just was like a, like a, just just came with the territory. <laughs> there is one, sorry, there is one other weirdo. There's a guy recently in Cambodia and he'd overstayed his visa by a long, long stretch. And he was on the run from England. I didn't know this until recently. And um, anyway, because he got caught off the immigration, he got put in immigration jail. I was also in the immigration at the same time in the immigration jail. He met this other guy, he used to be a model or something, and he had an OnlyFans. This guy, so they started to do like, <laughs> uh, homosexual OnlyFans videos and pictures. And because they were in the immigration jail, you were allowed to have your phone because it wasn't like jail jail. Yeah. So they were uploading videos and pictures of them in the shower together and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I posted it online, like, come and join our OnlyFans, only five ninety nine. That's class. But but he could see that all of the guy, all of his friends had him on Facebook and were like, just seeing everything that he was doing. It was so strange. <laughs> That's mad. Did you know him? Yeah, yeah. He used to work for us at Blue Dog. <laughs> I'm not even lying. Okay. Oh, strange. No, well, Jay, it's been it's been a pleasure. Is there anything else you'd like to say before we wrap up? No, well, yeah. Um, miss everybody back in England. Anything that I've said about England, I don't mean it in any, anything bad about it. It's still always have a place in my heart and it's where all my good friends are and my family and et cetera. And I'll be back to visit. But I am happy where I am and I will keep on travelling. Yeah, well, thank you very much, Jay. Well, thank you. You have been listening to episode 27, Apocalypse Note, with me, Matty Dias, and my guest, Jason Boken Clitheroe. I hope you really enjoyed that episode as much as I did uh, recording it. 
obviously it was really funny and we got into it, but we also we talked about the plus sides and negative sides of travelling and being on the road. But like I really admire Jay. He's if I had a pound for every time that someone came up to me when it, you know when I was like teaching or living around the world and the message would be going, Oh, um, I wanna do that, how do we do that? Oh, I wanna I wanna go that, how do we get into teaching? And Jay was one of those people who actually messaged me like many years ago and said, Oh, I wanna do that, how do I do that? And he's probably the only person that did it out of like all them people that did ask me and ask for my advice and ask me questions. Jay was the only one that did it and he's still doing it and he's still living it. And he's now he's in Canada. He's settled in. Uh, what I was going to say, he's got a job. He's got a car. His missus, his, um, his Cambodian uh, girlfriend, she's got her visa sorted. So she's going out for summer for six weeks, which is amazing news. And it, it all seems to be going really well. And Jason's mum, Beverly's going out as well um, when, he's, when his girlfriend's there. So it just seems like it's all working out for Jason. And I, and I really do wish him the, the best of luck in Canada. I hope he makes it and I hope he does well for himself. And I'm sure he will. He's been hustling for a few years, many years. And I think why not make a go of it and try and settle down in Canada? Because it is such a beautiful country and... I'm a bit jealous. I'd love to be there and trying to make, make a go of it in Canada myself. So a big thanks to Jay for coming on. Jason for coming on. It was great to have a chat with him and catch up with him. And if you did enjoy that episode, don't forget to like us on Facebook and Instagram at Travel Bubble Podcast. You can give us a five-star rating on Apple. That really does help. And subscribe to the podcast. Share it with your friends and go back and listen to old episodes. But for now... It's time for the Travel Bubble Film Club. And it's a bit of an easy one this week. I I kind of have to choose this one. And I've gone for Apocalypse Now. Obviously, I can't make a pun on the title and not include that as the episode, um, as as the Travel Bubble Film Club. So this week's Travel Bubble Film of the Week is Apocalypse Now. The 1979 Francis Ford Coppola classic... If you haven't seen that, where have you been? What have you been doing? If you have seen it, go back and watch it again because it is such a classic and I love it. I'll read the synopsis out for you even though you probably know what's, what, what happens. But Captain Willard is sent to Cambodia on a dangerous mission to assassinate a renegade colonel who has won the trust of a local tribe. Yeah, it's an absolute all-out classic. Like I said, you probably would have seen it. But if not, go back and watch it. If you have seen it, go back and watch it again because I watched it again recently and I've watched it obviously many, 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 many times but watched it again recently and you, it's great. It's worth a watch. And like I say, I, I, I made a pun of the title in this episode title so I had to use it as the Travel Bubble Film of the Week. But that's all from me really. Like I say, I hope... For, I'm in Hadrian's Wall right now, somewhere along Hadrian's Wall, hiking with a small group over six days. So hopefully that's going well. Fingers crossed the weather's nice. But you know what they say, there's no such thing as bad weather, only bad clothing. And I only wear shorts and vests, so which that they are bad, that is bad clothing, no matter what the weather. I've been Matty Dias. My guest this week has been Jason Balkan Clitheroe. You have been listening. I'll see you again next week for episode 28 of Travel Bubble. 
In the meantime, have a good week and goodbye.